0: More on Mormonism's gaslighting behavior next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? We recently produced a program highlighting various ways that the LDS Church and the polygamy groups gaslight their members. Interesting that the day after we taped that first program, On gaslighting, the Salt Lake Tribune published an article on that same topic, and it was entitled, How the LDS Church Gaslights the World and Manipulates Its Members. LDS Church Rewards Complicity and Destroys Self-Trust Under the Guise of Spiritual Enlightenment. Well, when I read the article, I I wish that they had released that just a couple of days earlier. And then we could have referred to it in the gaslighting program we already did and referenced the program um, about Mormonism's uh, gaslighting or referenced the article. So the next best thing is part two. Uh, of the Gaslighting series. And of course, Dorothy is here with us again, as she was in the first one, to work through these issues.
1: To <laughs> <laughs> talk about them again. <laughs> and
0: talk about them. Um, and who knows, there may be more to come as, as Gaslighting continues on in the Mormonism. So to review what Gaslighting is, we present the definition of it and how it can be a negative technique to a person's point of reality.
1: Okay, so this is the Merriam-Webster online dictionary definition Mm -hmm. of gaslighting. Mm -hmm. Psychological manipulation of a person, usually over an extended period of time, that causes the victim to question the validity of their own thoughts, perception of reality, or memories, and typically leads to confusion, loss of confidence and self-esteem, uncertainty of one's emotional or mental stability, and a dependency on the perpetrator.
0: That's true. That's what it is. Now, we were talking earlier that um, that Merriam-Webster said that was, what, the top in search. Oh, the top Google search in yeah. this last
1: year was on the definition of the term gaslighting. Uh, yeah, Jim turned that up in, a, in some research he was doing. Yeah. So it's not just... Uh, dealing with religious gaslighting. Because uh, if people are doing a Google search, they're coming at it, actually, it was a political with, issue. With
0: various way in mm-hmm. relationships, marriages, right. religions, politicians. Uh, what is gaslighting, Politic- and
1: am I a victim of it? That's oh, kind of the, the Google right. search thing.
0: Um, um, marriage settings, family settings, job-related mm-hmm. settings, all of that can be... But it's e- a
1: relational thing. It's, mm-hmm. It happens with someone with whom you are in relationship over a long period of time. They can... Mm-hmm. begin to manipulate you mm-hmm. this way.
0: Well, when the trust, when you trust the person right. gaslighting right. you. In the Mormon religion, of course, gaslighting is par for the course. They deny it, but it is true. We presented a few examples of how the LDS, uh, the polygamists, and the early Mormons gaslighted and are gaslighting their members. They did it in the beginning, very beginning of the religion and they still do it today. Now, the article in the Tribune was written by Tanner Call and dated December fifth, 2022. It began by pointing uh, to the beginning of the Christmas season when the LDS takes the opportunity to present itself as being the light of the world. Now, of course, Jesus alone is the light of the world, not Mormonism. And even though they claim to point people to Jesus, they end up pointing people to their own
1: religion instead. We quote what a former member said. The only problem is that, for so many of us, the Church didn't uplift us. It tore us down. It didn't help us become our best selves. It broke us so that we would be obedient members who gave of our time, money, and energy at the expense of ourselves. The LDS Church manipulates its members in many ways, often under the guise of spiritual enlightenment. It punishes question-asking, rewards complicity, destroys self-trust, and delegitimizes non Mormon sources, all in the name of spiritual growth. The LDS Church frames these manipulation tactics as hallmarks of being a good Mormon. Thus, the more manipulated you are, the more Christ like the Church says you've become. Ooh, no, that's insidious, isn't it? But it's such a pointed statement. I, I really appreciate the clarity
0: of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. Mm -hmm. It's very true. From my own experience, of course, in the polygamy group, that's exactly what they do. Uh, And from its beginning, the the, the Mormon Church has manipulated the facts about its own history, about why it even began. And uh, we've done a lot of programs, of course, showing the truth of that statement. Now, when we say Mormonism, please remember, it includes the Mormon polygamy groups. They also manipulate the facts to make their own organization look the best and claim they are the only true religion on the planet. Now, it's interesting that there are so many offshoots or breakoffs from the mainline Mormon church. The next quote is what Joseph Smith himself said about breakoffs
1: in religion. Considering that all could not be right, and that God could not be the author of so much confusion, I determined to investigate the subject more fully, believing that if God had a church, it would not be split up into factions, and that if he taught one society to worship one way and administer in one set of ordinances, he would not teach another principles which were diametrically opposed.
0: So is this true? If it is true, then the Mormon church is not God's church because it has (laughs) suffered hundreds of breakoffs into various factions. And, of course, many of them are polygamy groups. Now, if it isn't true, then Joseph Smith is a false prophet saying God said something that God could not have said. And it only takes one false prophecy to make a false prophet. This is the foundation of Mormonism built on shifting sand. And it seems that each break-off has occurred when some guy disagreed with the leadership or the direction they were taking, had a dream or a vision or a time of supplication, and God always answered them with the same old story— Every other group has gone apostate and God needs a new and true prophet to take the helm. And then God always appoints that person to be the one and only true prophet. Very narcissistic. (laughs) (laughs) Then he forms a new polygamy group, the only one with God's stamp of approval. And in most cases, he begins to collect his harem and breaking civil as well as biblical laws in the process. This is the history of Mormonism and all those breakoffs. The most recent case being former FLDS uh, Sam Bateman, who had 20 wives, sold his daughters to other men, then watched them have sex with young girls. And of course, many of those girls were his own wives and minor children, and we talked about that in our previous program. And all the time, he and others like him were saying, this all comes from a commandment from God, a new revelation. The Tribune article stated, that the LDS Church manipulated its members in many ways. Then it lists a few of those ways. So we're going to look at his comments, and we'll add our own from a polygamy group perspective.
1: Okay, so this first one is the idea of treasures in heaven. One of the most insidious ways the LDS Church controls its members is by conditioning them to focus on a promised future instead of the actual here and now. hmm And we heard it a
0: lot. This is something that that all religions will do, even the the Bible, which is the complete and genuine word of God, promises a great future for those who believe and send treasures in heaven. God is a God that offers hope. And without hope, mankind gets desperate. But that's not the kind of future promises that Mormonism offers. They offer a false salvation and a false heaven entangled up in false doctrine, offering false hope. And you'll lose it all if you don't toe the line here on this planet. For instance, families are forever. Now, this is a phrase that all of Mormonism uses as a carrot held to the nose of its members who are questioning or doubting. If they ask hard questions, the threat is that they may lose their salvation and their
1: families for eternity. And to most people, that's tragic. That's terrifying. That's something, I think, that that enslaves people in the church. Yes. So here's the quote from this, this article. It positions seeking truth as a threat to eternal salvation. One must put their questions on the shelf or risk not being with their family after this life. It's a manipulation tactic that takes the phrase, families can be together forever, and tacks on a tacit, only if you do as we say.
0: Yeah, that, that's that's cruel, yeah. actually, very cruel, and manipulative, and gaslighting. But Jesus said that in following him, we may lose our families here, but we will be welcomed in heaven by Jesus and by God's family, and only those who are genuine followers of the biblical Jesus are part of God's family, having been adopted into it. Leaders of these many breakoff factions, which Joseph Smith said would not happen in God's true church, dislike being asked hard questions. The gaslighting comes when they tell you that your very soul is in danger if you question and if you don't stop questioning. Take it by faith, they say. A common saying at one time was maybe they're still saying it, I don't know. Fake it until you make it. Uh And fake it, Jesus condemned faking it. He called that hypocritical. And you'll perish if you fake it in the end. The gaslighting in both polygamy and LDS is, your salvation depends upon you doing as we say. And as we pointed out many times, why do they claim to follow Jesus when they don't even believe or teach what Jesus said?
1: From the article, we quote again, well, this, this is an interesting quote because he's talking about blessed be the peacekeeper, mm-hmm. right? This is the mm-hmm. one you, you have in mind here, at, which is a kind of a twisted quote from Matthew 5 in the Beatitudes. What right. we know is Jesus saying, blessed are the blessed are the blessed. So I'll read the quote from the article. Uh, blessed be the peacekeeper. LDS theology is filled with lessons that teach its members not to rock the boat. While seeking peace can be a good thing, it should never come at the expense of justice or truth, yet too often that's exactly what the Church asks of its members. So, I just want to make a comment here about, you know, this blessed be or be the peacekeeper is not what the Bible actually says. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Right. And that comes at kind of partway down this list after blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the merciful, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Mm-hmm. Making peace is entirely a different thing than being a peacekeeper, exactly. which is just avoiding conflict. Because pe- uh,
0: ke- uh, being a peacekeeper could be just falling right into right. the Norman things. Don't, don't rock, rock the, the boat,
1: boat. <laughs> right? Being <laughs> a peacemaker yeah. involves laboring toward the truth, the truth, toward the justice, toward the righteousness yeah. that you're hungry for. Yeah. So yeah. that's a good
0: point. And I'm yeah, glad you mentioned said. it. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I that's appreciate right, that. <laughs> and it's very important. Very important. in, in when they quote scripture, that. You right. get it right yeah. and check them when they quote it to see That's if right. they did get it right. Uh, recently, I was involved in a conversation with a man who had been born and raised in a polygamy group. He had been severely abused, even hospitalized as a child from some of the intense abuse from his father, but he's still a believer in Joseph Smith in Mormonism and polygamy. Now, we compared in our conversations contradictory doctrine and he always fell back on the old phrase, your Bible is mistranslated. They think that's a good excuse for not believing the Bible. Now, when we disagreed on true doctrine, he also fell back on the old Mormon saying, there's a contentious spirit here, and I don't want to deal with that. I quoted what God commanded in Jude 3, contend for the faith. It actually says to. He gets to contend for his faith, but when we do the same, it's a contentious spirit. He later said, even if God did say to contend for the faith, he wouldn't enter into that kind of conversation. And I need to add here that neither of us were angry or loud or threatening, to uh, screaming at each other or anything. It was a very polite and quiet conversation. But as the article said, seeking peace should never come at the expense of truth. And that's precisely what Mormonism demands from its members.
1: Uh, and I'm going to insert here, that because we were talking about the passage in John 8, just before we started yes. recording, yes. about, you know, he, he, your your friend claimed Jesus would never enter into that kind of conversation. But John 8 records exactly that kind of a conversation mm-hmm. that goes from a uh, fairly surface and then increases in intensity, so much so it was such a conflict that the Pharisees picked up rocks and to kill to Jesus kill by yeah. the end of the chapter chapter. So, you know, I would encourage you all who are listening to this to go and read John eight, starting in about verse twelve to the end of the chapter mm-hmm. and and read that very contentious conversation with Jesus that, that he had with the religious leaders of his day. And there's
0: many other places in the gospels oh, so where Jesus was contentious and then most of the time it was with the religious leaders.
1: Okay, so here's the quote from the article that we're dancing all around here. The church conditions its members to avoid conflict, especially in religious settings. It gets its members to be quiet by aligning that feature with Jesus and aligning anger and contention with the devil. Most Mormons want to be good Christians, and if their religious organization is telling them that a good Christian doesn't cause contention, then they're more likely to not publicly push back against problematic policies and teachings.
0: And that fits right in with what you just said, that Jesus was contentious with those who were uh, proposing false teachings. Yeah, for, the false for the truth. For the truth. Absolutely for the truth. Yeah. Not just to be contentious, right. but for the right. truth. Now, John chapter 2, of course, we uh, in uh, it says in verses 14 through 16, in the temple, uh, Jesus found those who were selling oxen, sheep, and pigeons, and the money changers sitting there, and he made a whip of cords. He drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. He poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables he held, told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade.
1: Oh, that's pretty contentious. <laughs> Whoa.
0: <laughs> is he being contentious there? You know, And like we said, for the sake of truth, right. contention is sometimes unavoidable and necessary. Matthew chapter 23, we've talked about before, is another passage to read about how Jesus dealt with those who did not love the truth. Being contentious is not necessarily anger or hatred. Mormonism and polygamy groups are afraid that truth will cause them to lose control of the people. And losing control would mean loss of ego, loss of members' money, loss of sexual prowess, loss of power and prestige. Those hearts cannot belong to God. Next, he quotes a saying that's used by the LDS and Mormon factions and also by others that really don't know what else to say, I
1: guess. They say, God's ways are higher than our ways. Right? right? (laughs) Actually, lots of people say that. They, They do. They sure do. The article goes on, "...nothing is more characteristic of the LDS Church than the overarching idea that God is omnipotent and, therefore, his servants know more than the average person." It's with this teaching that Mormons are conditioned to stop listening to their own instincts. They must consult LDS Scripture, LDS leaders, or other LDS-controlled sources that, not surprisingly, funnel the person toward the church, not away from it. The church teaches its members that God knows best, and God's wisdom can only be found in resources that are conveniently controlled by the church.
0: And that's so true. One person from the the Kingston group said that when someone came to their leader, Paul Kingston, for advice or suggestions, they always go to the leader, you right. know, because he speaks with God. That he would hesitate, and then he would act like God was speaking to him, and that he was hearing from God about this situation before he would answer them, which would have a deep effect on the questioner, because how could he ever doubt Paul's answer? I mean, God was speaking to him, you know, supreme gaslighting. Now many of these LDS church factions and breakoffs and the church itself warned their members to read only authorized publications. The statement in the article that they all rely upon is so deceptive is that God's wisdom is only found in their controlled religion. Of course, how else can they keep the people if they didn't believe that? Another saying from the Bible that I frequently heard growing up in the polygamy group and used quite a bit in the LDS church itself is that they are to be a peculiar people. This is taken from... 1 Peter two nine. Now notice how they love to use the Bible uh, reference when it suits them, but deny its trustworthiness when it doesn't agree with their doctrine. And this is what two P, one Peter two nine says, which you mentioned and 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 made reference that this is a quote from the Old Testament.
1: Right, Peter's just pulling forward what God addressed to His people a long time before, and now he's applying it to everybody. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So
0: we need to know the audience here. God is not speaking to everybody on the planet. Right. God is speaking through, through Peter's letter. He's speaking to believers, people who believe in the God of the Bible, people who believe in the Bible, people who believe in the Jesus of the Bible and, and in God's word as it stood and in biblical authority. By the way, what Peter said here, quoting from Deuteronomy, is word for word. So it wasn't tra- mistranslated. Peter's not writing to unbelievers And he's not writing to Mormons or to polygamists. And notice that these people give praises to God, not to a mere man. However, the biblical definition that we want to point to here of peculiar Mm -hmm. is not different. It's not odd. That's not the definition Which is what Mormonism's teachings are. And that's often how we use the word peculiar. Right. Today's definition in English, but in the biblical dictionary, that's not what it meant. The biblical definition for peculiar is God's treasured and purchased possession. The word translated into peculiar means God's treasured and purchased possession. Mormonism does not embrace the biblical authority of the power of the cross for eternal life. True Christian believers were purchased by the blood of Jesus, who
1: is God. It was God on that cross. We quote. This is Acts 20, verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. The, church of, God, the, the church, church of God, the church of God. Belongs to God that he purchased, he purchased for himself at the cost of his, his own blood. Own blood. Mm-hmm. Jesus
0: was God on the cross. Yeah. Now, Mormon teachings are odd. Their doctrines uh, are so con- contradictory to what Jesus actually taught. But that doesn't make them the biblical definition of peculiar people. And when people leave the religion and embrace biblical truths, they inevitably look back and, and say, How could I ever have believed? that. God's wisdom is found only in the Bible. Everything else is fraud.
1: We quote. Yeah, so back to the article. By teaching that the LDS Church is the only source of complete truth, anyone not under their direct control is delegitimized. Its members are taught that, in spiritual and religious matters, non-Mormons have been deceived and therefore cannot be trusted. It's also true with the polygamy
0: group, gaslighting. Mm -hmm. When a member leaves for whatever reason, um, those left behind are forbidden to associate with those who left. Why? If they have the truth, why do they hide it from others? That's not what Jesus said to do. Why are non-members (laughs) Gila (laughs) Tilma? de <laughs> I'm getting tongue-tied bad here.
1: You've been talking about that.
0: <laughs> truth cannot change. It might hurt when you've believed something all your life and found out differently, but it cannot hurt. It only hurts when you disregard it or not knowing it. It can and will hurt you by rejecting the truth, and it will ev- eventually destroy you by rejecting the truth. Now, they warn that non-Mormons, which also applies to non-polygamists, cannot be trusted. Yet it is the leaders in Mormonism that cannot be trusted. One of them said, we know Mormonism isn't true, but the people need us. No, they don't need you. They need Jesus, not a deceptive religion and gaslighting
1: practices, we quote. The LDS Church manipulates and controls its members in a myriad of ways, but these are some of the most insidious and ubiquitous methods. Any religion that claims its critics are deceived by Satan and that trains its members not to think critically about their beliefs is not one that seeks truth, but rather one that seeks power and control. And that's a,
0: that's what it's all okay. about. That is essential, power the
1: ability to think critically, right, to ask the right kind of questions that mm-hmm. will get you an answer that actually is based on truth, mm-hmm. not just one that you've memorized.
0: And you know what? I've talked, uh, I myself, my own personal experience, and I've talked to many people from the LDS and polygamous religions. They were not taught. They did not know how to think critically. Right. And don't know how to ask a logical question. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They don't. And, and it, it was really hard. It was yeah. very difficult. When I realized that, I was stunned because I didn't, you know, I, I couldn't do it. Um uh, this is a very good article that we've read from the Salt Lake Tribune stating the truth of Mormonism's manipulating and gaslighting critics of their pernicious doctrines uh, that they call Satan's servants. Mm-hmm. What is their own teachings that are pernicious and are warned against in the Bible?
1: And it's worth repeating First Timothy 4, 1 Timothy 4.1 says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons.
0: Notice this is a devoting. They mm-hmm. devote themselves to these pernicious uh, teachings. Uh, Deceitful spirits. That's why God says test the spirits. Mm -hmm. (laughs) God himself tells us to test everything. And that includes your own personal religious beliefs. It includes everything that your religious leaders teach you. We're not uh, to rely on our own heart or our own understanding or human effort. But on the testimony that God himself has given us in his word. Which is proof that he loves us because he's warned us. Now, the article in the Tribune ends with the statement, and we quote, The LDS Church may want to light the world, but we need to be careful that he doesn't gaslight us instead. So we urge our viewers, don't let Mormonism gaslight you. Jesus is the light of the world, and Mormonism does not believe or follow what Jesus said. Their doctrines are darkness, not light. Now, comments from readers are often printed after an article is published,
1: and we want to share one of the comments on this one. Yeah, this is a heartbreaking comment. This person, R.H., wrote, In reply to a previous reader comment that said, I love everything the Church has done for me and my family, For many families, the Church has done terrible things—protected sexual abusers, counseled gay boys to kill themselves, better off dead, hang a millstone around your neck, and throw yourselves into the Great Salt Lake rather than be gay. Counsel, I heard myself as a young man. Many of these young men followed through with the counsel.
0: And you're right, it's heartbreaking. and And with the advice like that, we don't wonder why Mormon Utah has the highest rate of suicide yes. in the nation. Mm-hmm. It's their religion. Justifying polygamy has always been a huge gaslighting effort. This is true in early Mormon polygamy as well as in today's polygamy groups and their efforts. In justify, to justify breaking the law. They make the claim, God commanded and approved of polygamy in the Old Testament times and has commanded it to be a holy principle in these last days. Refusing to believe that was and is frowned upon, you're accused of rejecting a holy commandment of God, you're threatened with outer darkness forever for daring to question a command they say came from God. Don't believe it. You know, we have a Bible study booklet. It's called, Is Polygamy Biblical? Where do we get this? (laughs) (laughs) And we will send it at no charge. It's a Bible study on polygamy. And we'll send it to you at no charge to anyone out of Mormonism or polygamy or even if you're still in. And if you want biblical answers to the Joseph Smith practice of polygamy, just send us the mailing address and we'll send this to you at no charge whatsoever. The bottom line is Joseph Smith commanded polygamy, but God never did. So that's gaslighting number two. (laughs) Whether we'll have number three or not, I don't know. <laughs> well, this was a good this one. Point.
1: This was an important conversation.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Dorothy. Appreciate your participation, your contribution Thanks, to Doris. this, you know. And, and we wonder, after preparing this particular segment, where is Jesus in all this? We rarely hear leaders and teachers properly quoting Jesus in their statements. Some who do quote out of context or they misquote what Jesus said and they twisted it. Uh, what he meant, but Jesus said what he meant and he meant what he said. He said, those who are not of the truth will not listen to him. And history easily reveals that Mormonism does not believe or listen to what Jesus said. He said, there's no marriages after this life. He affirmed monogamy was God's only option for marriage. He said, it's okay to be single for the kingdom of God. He said that the works that God requires for us is to believe in Jesus, Jesus said what he meant, and those who twist his words will have to answer to his face someday. Repentance means stop going your way and turn and go God's way. And that way is Jesus and only Jesus. Thank you for watching.
1: This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy What Love Is This with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy What Love Is This is produced by a Shield and Refuge ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.